welcome to this episode of the GATA podcast, where it is all dogs, all the time. But before we jump in to Georgia and the news involving Georgia that's happened recently, let's take a look at what's going down in Orlando. Um, news broke out recently that uh, Gus Malzahn is the new head coach at UCF. Um, personally, I think that is a good place for him to be. Um, you know, he's out of the craziness in the SEC, which also, if you did not hear, please do yourself a favor and, and research the press conference that he had. In particular, one question from a reporter basically asked him, you know, you've been around the you know SEC, but do you have a good grasp of the, in quotation, pressure cooker? Uh, here at UCF. Um, And like I said, it's dealing with, the question was revolving around dealing with fanatic fans. And my initial take after that, I I, I was speechless. Um, I I genuinely was speechless. Um, Several memes came to mind. Um, I, I think the most common, in my opinion, was, bruh. That's all I can say. That's all I could think of. That's all I could think of after hearing that question sputted out of that guy's mouth. You're telling me a guy that spent most of a decade at a program in the SEC for one, but with, in my opinion, the most somewhat delusional fan base in the SEC, at least in the West, in my opinion. You're asking him a question about handling the pressure cooker of UCF? Come on, man. Come on. Stop playing with our intelligence. Please stop playing with our intelligence. The only, the, one of the only coaches in, in the NCAA that somewhat figured out a recipe to beat Saban multiple times outside of Dabo Swinney at, at, a, at a place called Auburn for a decade, pretty much, and you're asking him about having a good grasp on the fanatic fans of Central Florida at Disney World. All right, give me a break, man. (laughs) Sitting here thinking about it just makes me just want to keep laughing. And you're not here for laughing. You're here for news. Obviously, do yourself a favor and listen. Please Google that. Listen to it. And listen to his response. I I genuinely think that guy threw threw Gus off. So, very funny news. I had to start that off. I had to start the show with that. Um, but in, in all seriousness, so Gus going to UCF, um, I, I think that'll be a good a good take for him as a head coach. I think that'll be a good spot for him. Um, I, I think you could really make the argument that he's arguably the best coach in Florida right now. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Dan Mullen. Yeah, you. Manny Diaz, you know, respectable. Um, don't get me started with that shithole in Tallahassee. Don't get me started. Um, yeah, so, you know, automatically, I think you look at UCS recruiting, I think it will pick up. I think you will see a higher level of recruiting there. Um, on, field, on the field performance, we'll see. We, we shall see. Um, but as it stands right now, like I said, the Gus bust, the wheels got put back on. 
and went down to Disney World, and now he's the head coach at UCF. <laughs> uh, in other news, um, Demetrius Robertson, apparently over the weekend, um, was actually charged with a couple felonies uh, dealing with a parking incident, I guess on campus in a parking deck, uh, involving uh, one of the parking boots, and he removed it, um, and I guess rode away with it. Honestly, I, I think that's getting blown out of proportion. I think you look at, you know, Athens, Clark County Police, whatever. Who I don't know who is exactly. Come on, man. Like I, I get it. That's you know that's not the smartest decision. I'm not going to blow it out of proportion though. You know, we still haven't heard anything recently. Too much. It's been kind of quiet after the initial news broke out. But in general, I think you look at it as. You know, one dumb decision. I think Kirby will probably handle that internally. I genuinely don't understand why felony charges would be pressed. I guess if you're going by the book, probably so. But I I still think it's kind of overdoing it. Uh, I think the charges will probably get dropped. We'll see what happens. Um, Still, that's obviously the negative piece of news here. Um, You know, and it comes on the hills of. You know, him returning for a senior year or for another year. So, you know, I mean, obviously, I, I wish D-Rob the best there. I don't think nothing will happen too much, but only time will tell. Uh, I'm not the judge. So, looking at that, moving on, um, 2021 commit and signee uh, Dylan Fairchild won his second straight 7A wrestling title uh, in pretty easily in convincing fashion. Uh, it took him 24 seconds, and if you watched the video, which obviously is not long, um, smiles at the camera and blows a kiss to the fans afterwards. Dude's just a baller like that. I hope he brings that stuff to Georgia on the line. I think he will. Dude's an animal. Keep that intensity. Get nasty all the time on the line. That's what you need. Every single offensive lineman needs to have that nasty in him. Uh, let's just say that I hope Dylan brings that stuff to him. Uh, the offensive line down at Georgia. Um, obviously a good wrestler, two-time state champion. So congratulations to Dylan. After this quick break, we'll get into the 2022 uh, recruiting cycle. Things are s- starting to heat up, it looks like. Um, so I'll talk about that. And stick around toward the end of the show. We'll talk about some... Uh, NCAA rules potentially extending the dead period. Uh, so stick around as this ep- uh, as this episode of the GAT podcast continues after this break. Welcome back to the GATA podcast. Before the break, I mentioned the 2022 recruiting cycle seems to be heating up. And boy, is it ever. Is it ever. A couple names to keep an eye out for and keep on your radar. Michael uh, Mikel Williams, number 41 overall in the 24-7 composite. 6'5", 250 plus defensive end. Is expected to commit March fifteenth. That's his announced. Uh, that's when he's a, a projected to announce his commitment. Um, Georgia boy, 
you'll notice that's a trend in the 22 cycle so far. Georgia boys. That's all you need to hear. It's going to be a lot of Georgia boys in this class. Um, you'll understand later when I talk about the NCAA, you'll understand why this is kind of a, a situation. But nonetheless, back to the 22 recruiting. Also, Christian Miller, 6'5", 285, defensive tackle, is projected to announce April 4th, uh, another Georgia boy. Um, and, and I think you look at this right here. Um, Mikel and Christian both are D linemen. And if these, if these two behemoths of men were to commit to Georgia and to, you know, join that defensive line unit with Trey Scott, just imagine those two paired with the two that we already have in Tyree West and Big Bear Alexander. Talk about a D-line haul for Trey Scott. That would be absolutely filthy. That D-line, just that class alone, would make that D-line absolutely filthy. Just nasty. Now, obviously, we have to wait, but Georgia's in a, in a good standing with both of these guys. I I, I have a good feeling that Mikael Williams... Could commit to the G, uh, come mid March. I have a str- I have a good feeling about him. Also, Christian Miller, a little bit less confident than Mikel. Nonetheless, I still think that both of these guys, you know, are getting their ears filled all the time by Tyree. Uh, they're really good friends. Uh, you add Big Bear into the fold now. I think, you know, the talks of these guys. I'm sure these guys are talking. There's no question about that. And you know, if, if these guys just hypothetically do both commit and, you know, just picture that D-line haul, it, you know, our future will be absolutely set all across the D-line. Just nasty. Also, out now this is switching to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Jordan James, 5'10", 205 uh, is what he's listed at. Number 173 overall, uh, recently uh, announced Georgia as his leader at the time. Uh, Obviously, I think you look at, you know, the running back situation for 2022. I think we take one, maybe two. Uh, I have a feeling we may lean towards two, but for sure, I think we have to get one. There's no question about it. Um, And he's a good one. Uh, Don't let these, you know... Obviously, I'm throwing these numbers out in regards to ranking, but as you'll un- as you'll understand, sometimes the stars, the rankings, don't always mean everything. People get too caught up in them. I do sometimes. I, I fall victim to that as well. Sometimes you just gotta sit back, watch the tape, and see how the kid develops. And, and I've said before, you have you know, there's been three stars. Obviously, maybe a different position, but. You know, Stokes, J.R. Reed, a couple of these guys, just an example, uh, Jordan Davis, three stars. And they turned out to be key factors for the entire Georgia team. Um, and, and, turned, and and look at Tay Crowder. Tay Crowder, you know, like I said, um, mystery relevant. You know, he was a halfback that got converted into, into a linebacker. And now he's playing for the New York Giants. Actually made a pretty good impact. 
as Mr. Irrelevant. And if you keep up with the NFL, you understand that's more or less an infamous laughing pick more so than it is an expected uh, contribution role. You don't expect somebody to get drafted dead last to make an, you know, an instant impact. And Tay Crowder did. So, like I said, stars and rankings and these numbers only mean so much. So, it's nice to hear these numbers. It looks good when it comes to recruiting rankings. I, I do, I do believe that recruiting matters. It by all means it does. But it's okay to get some of these guys that are lower, you know, four star, lower four stars, three stars. That's okay. Look no further than a couple three stars that we got just this class alone. The 2020 class, or the 2021 class, excuse me, is the perfect example why you do not necessarily need to look into recruiting in regards to the ranking and the numbers. Because there's some, you know, just because of the lack of camps and things like that, the guys didn't get exposure. But that does not mean that three-star athletes that you're seeing or three-star, you know, players, you know, if if there's camps there, I guarantee you, uh, several of them would probably be high four stars, mid to high four stars. So you know, Ado- uh, what is it? Adonis Mitchell got a huge, huge bump. He was a three star and got moved to a mid four star. It one bump from twenty four, twenty four seven, I should say. So, like I said, don't worry about the stars in the rankings. I'll bring it up just to let you know. But the you know watch the watch the tape just watch the tape, see for yourself what you think how they would fit in, and you know once they come in if they commit, then you'll kind of get a feel for what you what you should expect. Um, but you know those are those are just three names that I mentioned. Like I said, Mikel, Jordan James, Kristen Miller. Um, Jordan James doesn't have a an expected, um, doesn't have an expected commitment date, and that's okay. Uh, but like I said, he did recently announce that um, George is his leader. Uh, also, you have uh, Oscar Delp just released a top 13. Uh, and Steve Wilfong actually crystal balled him to Georgia. Um, I look, You know, when, when you see crystal balls, they're nice to keep up with. It's fun. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I do look at that and with, with some, you know, speculation there. Especially when it comes to Steve Wilfong. I, I think you have to look into that uh, from a national standpoint. The guy's, I ain't going to say 100% because nobody is, but he's pretty damn accurate. So, now, you know, if, you, if you're not familiar with these rankings, they do have a number scale, you know. So, he did Chris Ballum at a five, which that's, you know, that's fair to say right now considering, you know, Oscar just released the top 13. Uh, you know, it could happen. I don't expect it to. I expect them to kind of take things a little slow to see maybe what Georgia does with the tight ends this year. I think if you, if if Darnell and Brock Bowers have a you know breakout year and you see a lot of production from the tight ends, I I think you could maybe say that you know, he might cut it quick and commit perhaps. But right now, like I said, top thirteen, and we'll see what happens there. Uh, but now, obviously, the twenty twenty two class is more than just those three four guys. Uh, so we'll talk about a couple needs uh, in a few positions um, after this quick break. 
Alright, welcome back everybody. So what I was going to talk about now are the needs. Not going to talk about every single need in every position. Just want to highlight, I feel, in my opinion, might be the most important needs for the 2022 class. Uh, I'm going to start off with wide receiver. One of the main reasons why I think you need an impressive haul in the wide receiver room this year lies no further than what we're probably going to be losing after this year. Pickens, Kieris, D-Rob, you're, you're going to be losing a lot. And while we did pick up Jermaine, Arian, Marcus recently in this past re- recruiting class, you still need to replenish what you're going to be losing. So some names to keep an eye out for. Um, not necessarily saying that they're going to be committing, um, and, and you know, but they're real important names that I think George is making a push for, uh, or you will see a push for. Uh, there's obviously more names that I'm sure you'll hear from, you know, as news comes out. Uh, but currently, I think three names, I'm, I'm going to stick to three names that I would like to see uh, commit to Georgia. Um, the first one is Denylon Morissette, uh, 6'1", 200, um, Georgia. Um, I think you look at, you know, just good ball skill. I'd say good ball skills, if not great ball skills. Kid looks, kid's a baller. I'm just going to leave it there. Kid is a baller. Um, and I think he'd be a good fit to play at Georgia. Um, another Georgia boy that you're going to probably hear a lot of is Kojo Antwi, 6'1", 185. Uh, both guys are four-star athlete, uh, four-star receivers. And I think one name kind of ties these two together uh, that potentially helps Georgia's chances here, and that is your five-star quarterback commit, Gunnar Stockton. Uh, both of these guys, they, you know, played with Stockton on the 7-on-7 circuits, and they have a good rapport with him. And and, and also, uh, Oscar Delp is another name that you could tie in to the Gunnar Stockton connection there. Uh, all these, Like I said, all these guys, do, you know, deal with 7-on-7s, things like that. Uh, Denylon, Kojo, both great receivers, I think, in this class. Uh, obvious takes if we get, you know, if they want to commit and looking at, you know, looking at Gunnar Stockton, you know, guys pay attention to that. So I think you have to look at, you know, Ohio State being a real threat with Kojo. I, I still think that Georgia has that advantage having Gunnar Stockton in the fold. That I can't, I can't overstate that, the importance of Gunnar Stockton committing to Georgia. I, you can't. Um, just because classes are built around elite quarterbacks. When you have an elite quarterback, classes are built. Elite classes come around and they want to play together. Look at Brock in the 2021 or 20 yeah, sorry, in the 2021. You, there's just a lot of talent coming around. So, those are two like I said, those are two in-state targets that I really want to see Georgia go for and I think ultimately could get uh not going to not going to put a lot of confidence in it because it is still early um but I definitely would like I'm sure George is going to be pushing hard for these guys I would like to see them myself and another name that might not be necessarily linked here because it's an out-of-state connection Evan Stewart uh six foot 175 um I want to say 40 overall now um out of, I think it's out of Texas fun I may be wrong but I think it's out of Texas let's just say this kid is fucking fast just a blazer. Kid is ridiculously fast. Like, 
Arian Smith type elite fast. Love to see him in the fold. I would love to see it. I think the 2022 cycle when it comes to receivers, I think Kirby wants to get get faster in that room. That is a definite get if that is the case. Absolute must have if you want to get faster in the receiver room. <clears throat> this guy will automatically bring that speed the same to what Arian Smith did uh, as a freshman at Georgia. Moving on to the next position, though, uh, of need, I think you really have to look at the secondary. I think there's no question about that. Uh, whether it be safety or corner, I think you kind of look at both. Obviously, you know, right now, as a current state, our biggest question mark is probably the secondary and how things are going to how things are going to go there this season. So, you know, moving into what the 2022 class can provide in regards to targets for the secondary, I think you look, you know, obviously the biggest name in my opinion, and probably the biggest get that Georgia needs right now that's not committed, Malachi Starks, uh, five star, six uh, one, about two hundred. Um, listed as an athlete, I could see him more so, you know, probably a, a corner. I'd love to, I'd like to see him as a corner, but I think he could play safety as well. I, I, he's a must have in this class, Georgia boy, five, like I said, Georgia boy, five star, those two alone, keep them in state. It's four words you need to hear. Keep them in state. If you see a five star and they're from Georgia, keep them in state. Brock and Amarius rings a bell there. You have to keep them in state. Georgia is too good a program to let these guys walk. Unfortunately, you saw that this past season or this past class with Barrett Carter going to Clemson. Malachi Starks, biggest biggest need there and one of the biggest needs for the Georgia in the 2022 class in the secondary. Another name I think you look at is Kamari Wilson. Uh, I don't necessarily feel as confident getting him as I would Malachi, literally the same measurables um, listing-wise. Another five-star, a little bit higher in on the rankings than Malachi, but both of these guys are elite, elite prospects. There's no question about that. They're, they're, they're really, really good players watching their film. Great ball skills, fast, can fly, on the, you know, fly at the ball, physical, everything you would want. You know, everything I, I think Kirby wants in a cornerback or a member of the secondary, they have it. They have it. It'd be lovely to get both of these guys. I think you have to get one, and I think it's more confidence with, with Malachi there. But another name, the third name, that I think that you're going to hear more of coming uh, as, as time comes on, Emory Floyd. Um, like, here's where, here's where I, when I, you went, I went on my rant. Went on my rant about the uh, the stars and the rankings. Look no further than this man right here. 6'2", 165, 3-star. Do not sleep on the stars. The kid is a jet. World-class speed as well. Kirby is, Kirby is getting this team built with speed. And Emory Floyd has that. He has a ton of it. So I think you look at those three guys are just a start for what, you know, some targets in the secondary uh, for the 2022 class. Um, also, and, you know, looking into the 2022 class, I do want to kind of dive into 
some, you know, additions to the coaching staff and how that could impact, you know, the recruits this year. Um, obviously, you look at the secondary with Coach Day coming over from West Virginia. You know, what I'm what I saw out of West Virginia, obviously, you know, statistically they led the nation in pass defense. Um, but watching some watching some you know some of their tape on defense, especially in the secondary. Great man coverage. They, they they were very good when it came to blanket defense. I, I loved what I saw. And you saw the guys fly at the ball. Their instincts were great. And that's what, and honestly, that's what made them so dangerous. Um, you know, you look at, you know, just watching some things. You know, them playing as physical as they did and them, you know, jumping to the ball and getting in the way. Like, you know, Obviously, that's what elite defenses and secondaries do. And they did a damn good job doing it. To the tune of being the best pass uh, defense in the nation. And, and honestly, at the Big 12, that's even more of an accomplishment when you've got the likes of Oklahoma and you've got Texas. And, and everybody knows that the Big 12 is very pass-happy. There's, there's no question about it. So those statistics and, and you know that accolade in my opinion, stands out. And, and it really needs to stand out to people. Because Georgia recruits way better at several levels up than what you know you would hear from West Virginia. So for a coach a day to do that with, I guess you could say less, only, in my opinion, raises the expectations for what he can do with way better talent. But I think obviously that starts with buying in. It, it, it really does. You know, when you're going into spring practice, you, you know, you all, I've heard you know, basically walking in with a clean slate. And let's just hope that he keeps his word with that. Because there's so much youth there that, you know, really, it, 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 my opinion, I feel like Keely Ringo is going to get a spot. I feel like you kind of have to. But if you walk in with a clean slate, and, and it makes kids prove themselves, makes them compete. When you compete, you get better. There's so much talent at Georgia in the secondary. It's just a lack of experience right now that we're dealing with. More so at the cornerback position. And who is going to be the star Coming up in this upcoming season, you know, you look at Keely Ringo, and I think he's going to be a blanket cornerback. But at the same time, if he's physical, big bodied, maybe what wouldn't it be a good idea? And he's fast, wouldn't it be a good idea to maybe look at see if he could play the star? You know, if not, who's going to play the star? Could it be Nylon Green? Obviously, Tyreek Stevenson, you know, was our star, and he left. Obviously, that fills that hole. And honestly, star is probably more important than cornerbacks. And the fact that you have to be able to, you have to really be smart to play the star position because you kind of are that hybrid when it comes down to it. You have to cover about anybody. So you have to be physical. You need speed because you could be covering, you know, small receivers in the slot. You could be covering tight ends. You, you don't know. You could be covering anything. There's a broad spectrum that you can cover, but you also play the run and you rush. 
So that's where the speed comes in. But you also have to be smart. You have to have, have good coverage. And, and it makes me wonder if, you know, does does Keeley, I, I think Keeley will play. I think he will start. But thinking about that, one makes me wonder, will he be a cornerback or will he be a star? I think either position he'll be fine. I think he will start at one of the two. But, you know, I think you have to look at Coach Day and Coach Smart and put him in the right position to succeed. And if that's at cornerback, great. Because Clemson's coming up September 4th, and Justin Ross is going to be more than ready. So whoever start, whoever covers him better be on their A game from the get-go. But then you look at, you know, like I said, you look at Jalen Kimber as a name that you have to look into. Um, you know, look, showed some flashes when he played this season, this past season. Also, Amir Speed. Uh, he's the, probably the most experienced there in regards, you know, seniority. Um, but he's, 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 a, he's a big body as well. He's big body and physical, fast. So, you know, all these guys have the talent. They have the, the ability to make impacts and start wherever. These just guys got to go out and compete and earn their starting spots. And I am all for that. Because if these guys go out and compete the way they they should, it's only going to make these guys better. And the fact that they go against, in my opinion, the best receiving core possibly in NCAA football right going into this season, in college ball you have the Georgia receiving core as deep and as talented as this receiving core is. That should only help with the schedule that we've got. I think it helps them get ready for Clemson because Justin Ross – will be ready to go. You, there, I mean, there's more to Clemson than Justin Ross. But our biggest threat should be Justin Ross, in my opinion. These guys will be ready. If, our, if, if, we, if iron sharpens iron, as that saying goes, these guys should be ready. But it's going to be a damn dogfight come September 4th in Charlotte. No question about it. So, you, you know, it, when it comes down to it, I hope these guys use September 4th and honestly all off season to get ready for the ultimate goal and going into you know going into Atlanta and trying to beat Bama because I think that's just the only team that's going to be there. We're only going to be playing Bama in my opinion. Our schedule for regular season should lead us to Atlanta. We have to take advantage if that's the case. Win each game, take care of business, get to Atlanta take care of business. I don't care if we beat Clemson or we lose to Clemson. Alabama or whoever we're playing in Atlanta is going to be the game. I think Clemson's going to be our toughest game by all means in the regular season. But the most meaningful game might actually come down to in Atlanta. Can we take care of business in Atlanta? That's what's going to get us to the playoffs. Not saying if you know if we beat Clemson handily, that could lock us up as well. But how we handle Atlanta in the SEC Championship, obviously we need to get there. If we take care of business in Atlanta, there's no question. None. That's the key there. And like I said, it all starts with our with our question marks. Secondary is, in my opinion, the biggest one. So the receivers and the DBs 
battling all offseason and then Clemson on day one, these guys are going to be tested. They need it. But until then, we need to see who competes the hardest and earns the starting spots. Both cornerbacks, the star. I think the safeties are, for the most part, squared away. You look at Chris Smith, you look at uh, Lewisine. I expect Lewisine to have a damn breakout year. But really, the, the, the problem lies with cornerbacks and the star. So whoever earns it is going to earn it. And, and that's the way it should be. Because it's only going to make this team better. And, and that really, that area of weakness would turn to a strength. However, you do have some news. And obviously, this comes into Coach of Day here. This ties into Coach of Day. Uh, Drayshawn Miller, uh, one of the starting cornerbacks from West Virginia's defense this past year, entered his name into the portal officially. And I think that that is good news for Georgia. There was a lot of talk earlier about Eli Ricks possibly going, uh, going into the portal, going to Georgia perhaps. You know, I heard about that as well. I think that kind of chatter's kind of died down. And now you look at a legitimate, you know, a legitimate target for Georgia to try to push and try to convince to come to Athens. And I think that's the guy. Redshirt senior, so only have one season. But Kirby has shown recently... When it comes to the transfer portal, if it's a position of need, he will go out and get it done. I think you look at Drayshawn as if he does come here, I think he I think he locks up a starting spot, helps getting some a very important depth at the at the cornerback position. That's going to be huge, but we got it. I think we go hard for him. You, I think you have to, but I do think Coach Day's connections now to Georgia really helps Georgia's chances since he uh, entered the portal. I do want to talk about Coach Muschamp as well, obviously going into an analyst role. I genuinely think that's going to help with recruiting on the defensive side of the ball. Him being there, he, he don't have to necessarily be on the field, but he can talk football, things like that, and help. Re- I think he can help recruit as well, if I'm not mistaken. Guy can recruit. Guy is a excellent defensive mind. Everybody overlooks that because of his head coaching blunders at Florida, South Carolina. Do not overlook his defensive defensive mind. It is a good one. Uh, honestly, I think you look at a potential kind of replacement for Dan Lanning, potentially. I think it's a matter of time before he's gone. So, I mean, definitely a good defensive coordinator. Uh, in waiting, perhaps, kind of the same way Buster Faulkner is an off- uh, as an analyst on the offensive side of the ball. Both of those guys are going to have key roles in, in the recruiting process, and obviously, and obviously, looking into the portal, Coach Day is going to be a big deal. If you can get Drayshawn in here, that's going to help help clear up some of the depth issues that we have in the secondary right away. But after a break from this, after a break from our sponsors, Anchor here, we're going to talk about some things regarding the NCAA, and I would be stay tuned for this one because it's going to be interesting. I'm just going to leave it there. When we come back from the sp- the sponsored break here, have your ears ready. We, we I'm, I'm you're going to hear some hot takes um, involving some uh, potential 
dead period extension after this break. Stay tuned. I hope you stay tuned because it's about to get real. I I am very passionate about the NCAA. And if this is the case, I, I think I may have fire coming out of my ears. Um, I, this is in no way official, but there have been rumors that the dead period that is now for April 15th could be extended again. If I am the NCAA, I do not understand why the dead period needs to be extended any further. You just completed an entire football season with in most in most places most places had fans there so the fact that these kids can get tested as much as they did why can that not translate to a recruit that wants to come visit face to face i genuinely don't understand the the dead period should not have been extended in the first place. I, I, I understand that you want to keep safety and that's what they're talking about and I get that. But that's why you wear masks and that's now that we have a vaccine. Set up a damn protocol. You're, you're ruining these kids' recruiting process. It's, it's hindering their ability to go somewhere that might be better for them. It's, 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 it's fucking baffling to me. It really is. And this isn't the only thing the NCAA has gotten wrong, in my opinion. I, I'm, it's so, it's so fucking frustrating. It really is annoying. Basically, 2021 didn't even have a damn recruiting cycle. These kids, for the most part, either went on their own dime and had, you know, fortunately, like Georgia's situation, you had an elite recruiter right at your back door, which helped guys come here and let, you know, for instance, Brock was a damn unofficial tour guy. But, you know, Zoom calls are only going to do so much. Virtual tours are only going to do so much. Kids need to go to these places. Why is it so difficult to practice social distancing, but let these kids come to whatever campus they want to go to? If a kid wants to come to Georgia, there's no reason why they're, you know, whoever, whoever's involved, whether it be coach Kirby Smart, you know, position coaches, coordinators, whoever they can. So you're telling me there's no possible way for them to practice social distancing at all? No. We have so many measures already in place. Why in the fuck do we need to sit here and keep putting on off this dead period and keep pushing it back? There should not be a reason for this dead period to go on any further. You're, you're, you're killing. You're killing college football. Recruiting is a big part of what, you know, you're going to get players that, you know, for instance... You know, take a kid that goes to Georgia and they go to Texas or whatever. What you name a school? There's so much to see that an hell, an environment alone, 
a campus alone could be a deciding factor. Now, I'm not saying I'm, I'm pissed off because it could impact Georgia. It's impacting everybody. But the really, the people that is getting taken out on the most are the high school kids trying to pick their college destination. You're basically telling them, this is what this looks like. Oh, that's nice. What's the, tra- what's the travel like? What does a plane ride out? What does a car ride out? Like, you know, you're basically screwing kids to, you know, to go across the country or wherever, say for instance, if a kid comes from Texas and he wants to play at Georgia, he has to go off his gut. He has no visual representation of what Georgia could be or what any other program he wants to see. He has no personal experience there. He just has to go off of virtual tours, Zoom calls. There's a lot of difference that a Zoom call does over an in-person visit. I'm just going to talk about Georgia because there's several recruits in the 2021 class that had the dead period not been involved. I think you see Georgia pull. But that's okay. It is what it is. It is what it is. I do not think that the NCAA dead period needs to be last. It does not need to go past April 15th. In my opinion, it's fucking stupid. But the impact on recruiting that you see with that. You see kids stay close to home. 2021 alone, you saw James Williams stick to Miami. Almost a Georgia, I ain't going to say a Georgia lean. But he was definitely in the top two. He sticks around and goes home. Tyreek Stevenson was on the Georgia roster. Wanted to go home. Kids want to stick home, if, especially if you don't have the ability to go out and visit campuses. So fortunately for Georgia, the state is absolutely loaded in 2022 and 2023. So most of these kids in the 2021 class were able to come on campus before the shutdown even started. That's what helped them come. In the 2020, in the 2020 class... You saw Georgia go out nationwide and pull these guys. Darnell, Keeley. Just a couple examples there. JT, if you want to add. Obviously from the transfer portal, but nonetheless, still got him to commit. Come over here. Didn't even go to campus. That's the key. JT Daniels didn't even visit campus. He He was down south one time and loved it. And that's what got him to come to Georgia. Now, do I think playing time could have been a factor? Yes. He was coming off an injury as well. So it's not all about the campus environments and the ability to see a campus. But that's a damn big part. A damn big part. But also, if you look into what happened this past season, NCAAs obviously extended the dead period throughout the year, obviously where it is, where it is now. The key also lies with the one-time transfer rule. Kids can go transfer anywhere one time, basically free of charge, and play immediately. That's good, great, dandy, if you're a team like Alabama or Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, I think you're okay with that. But when it comes down 
to these, you know, lower power five schools and mid-major schools, the underlying issue lies at, at the, basically, the high school talent is getting sacrificed because of this. You take these lower level power fives in the mid-major schools, they're taking more transfers. Because they're taking more transfers, that means less high school kids taking these scholarship spots. So what the NCAA failed to fucking realize is they're killing you're killing high school athletes' chances to make it into the college level. If this rule wasn't in place, you look at you look no further than these kids having the ability to go there. For instance, like a Toledo or something, right? They're take you know they'll probably take more transfers, whereas in a normal year, prior to a kid would sit there and have a scholarship coming out of high school, but now they don't, and now they're stuck trying to figure it out and maybe not even make college football at all. They might get fortunate enough to walk on. But not everybody's fortunate enough to walk on and they don't have, maybe they don't have the means and the resources financially to do so. Especially going out of state. Tuition costs are absolutely through the roof when you go out of state. This is where I feel like NCAA is incompetent when it comes to setting these rules. They don't think things through. They don't, in my opinion, whatsoever. They try to make it about equality and, and fair, you know, fair reason. And sure, you know, you're basically giving a kid a buyout for making a, a wrong decision. Things don't go his way. I'll just go somewhere else where I can start immediately. But outside of the college level, you're hurting college. You're hurting high school football. You're you're, you're taking away chances for a kid to go out of high school and, and play you know, at a different school, at a, at a college football program. Doesn't have to be power, uh, power five or D one for that matter. Could be D two, D three. You still have those, but you're still killing chances, especially coming out of high school into into college. You're, you're killing a few hundred at least, I would think. And, and, and it's fucking sad. It really is. Because the NCAA doesn't want to sit there and think things through. They just want to push everything at one time. I'm sure they've been thinking about it for a while now. But it could be done better. Just take a look. Go take a look at the transfer portal numbers. It is ridiculous how many kids are in the portal right now. It's ridiculous. And if you're not careful, it's only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. Welcome to the NCAA, guys. We just push it through. Don't think it through all the way. Do we, like I said, do we really need a dead period? Past? Hell, it's already in, going into the next season. You killed a recruiting class and the experience of these kids. Now you're cutting into a second recruiting class. How much longer is this shit going to be? 
there should really be no fucking reason for it. You have protocols, use them. You have met you have measures of safety safety measures, use them. Mask up. Not that hard. Social distancing, even in an office, social distancing can be done. What's so damn hard about it? What's so hard about it? Fuck, get a COVID test. Get a rapid test. Three-day test. Don't matter. If Set up something. Set up a protocol. It shouldn't be taking this fucking long to set up a protocol so that kids can actually go experience campuses. There's no reason why we're sitting here in a dead period still. And if the NCAA wants to sit there and push this shit through and extend it out even further... What the fuck is their job? What are they doing? What are they doing? <laughs> I'm, I'm being dead serious when I say this. What What are you trying to prove? Like, why do we need a dead period to keep going this long? It, I'm going to leave on that question. It makes no sense. But the question I need to know, why, what is it, what purpose is it serving? Is it really about safety? Is it really about safety? What's going on? What's the underlying issues here? Because there should be there shouldn't be a reason why you can't set up protocols for visits. There's really in my opinion, and if, if anybody feels if anybody wants to wants to bring up an opinion or you know their how they would go about it, if you're listening and you want to talk about it, I'm all ears. I'm all ears. I, hell, I want you to sit here and, and think of some protocols that could be done. Because to me, it's bullshit. It really is. You're you're basically about to kill two damn recruiting classes. The experiences that these kids need and want. I'm I, I'm I love it. Hell, it is it is fun to keep up with kids coming on visits to schools. It's fun to keep up with. But it's also important for them to help make decisions. Because if you have these visits, guess what happens? It makes an easier decision for them and a more confident decision in their school. Maybe you don't see as many transfers and people in the portal. That's my take. Set up a fucking protocol, NCAA. Mask up, social distance, hell, test at all, hell, test, you know, set up a test, three-day test, whatever, the week prior to, if anything, a recruit, you know, maybe, maybe a recruit informs the coaches at least one week prior and then submits a COVID test and the coaches submit their tests, right? Both parties submit a test. If both come back negative, nothing's wrong there. Proceed with your visit. Proceed with your visit. I'm sure the coaches get tested almost daily. So there should be no question there. You know, open up the dead period. I I think literally this might be my take here. And and I'm sorry if I'm ranting, but I am very aggravated with the NCAA. Here's protocol. Prior to your visit. Informal, basically inform the school 
where you're going, have documentation that you, you're requesting a, a visit, whether it be unofficial or official. This might be better for the official visits. Inform the school at least one week prior to your des, uh, your arrival. If your desired arrival, I should say. Once, you, once you're informed of that, within that week, uh, COVID tests from the recruit, anybody involved in the visit, family members, whoever, submit tests. Coaches, if they, ha- you know, I'm, I'm sure they get tested, submit your tests. If everything comes back clean, proceed with your visit. While you were on your visit, mask at all times, that's fine, right? Mask at all times, I think it's okay. Risk, reward here. <coughs> you know, the benefit of the costs, speaking economically here, but Benefit of being on the campus and getting a tour, I'll put my mask on for that. Social distancing, easy to deal with. If you're meeting face-to-face with coaches, obviously the recruit's going to be there, but maybe limit it. Maybe if, if you have a big party with the recruit, one, maybe two per, per, uh, persons beside them, along with them. Um, and, or you set yourself up in a room where you can, you know, talk to people and talk to everybody while being able to social distance. And then after the visit is over, submit another test to make sure that nothing happened. You're covering all loose ends there. It's not that difficult. I just laid it out for you. Cut the bullshit. Don't extend the dead period, NCAA, because you're killing these recruits and their their possibilities of going wherever they choose. They're limited because of this dead period. That's all I have for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. I really hope you enjoyed the show. And stay tuned for the next episode of the GATA podcast, where it is all dogs, all the time. I'm Robert Reynolds. Enjoy your day and stay safe.